portion of scripture uh, to read you, um, but I want to give it the, its time and context and, of course, preeminence. I want to talk to you this morning on, and try to clear up some of the confusion that's in the church from our backgrounds and from ministers that we listen to and relatives. I want to talk to you. We've already shared the difference between being sealed with the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. Two totally different things. One is for identification of the believer and the other is for empowerment. And I, I want to draw a distinction today between the gift of tongues and the ability to pray in tongues. Uh, it's, in the 80s and 90s, it was a taboo subject. Um, and now it's just a maligned, disdained. I, for the life of me, I can't understand it. Except that I know that if I were the devil, and I could keep you from anything this side of the cross, it would be the fullness of the Spirit and a desire for spiritual gifts. So I want to read this portion of Scripture. This tends more to explaining uh, the operations in the church. Uh, I want to teach this morning, not preach. I want to go through the Scriptures with you. And, you know, it, it, there comes a time in our lives when we appreciate what Mama believed and what Daddy believed and what Grandma and Grandpa believed and, you know, what our favorite preacher teaches but the Word of God stands by itself. It's the standard. It's, you know, Grandma might have walked into some truth that her grandma didn't have. And I'm just going to teach the Word this morning. And this is, I'm, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm going to be a declarer. And I, I'm posing this question to you. How readest thou? I remember being in a church service one time and the fellow read the words. He said, forbid not to speak with tongues. And he goes, and what the Bible meant to say was forbid to speak with tongues. And I said, what meaneth this? You know, so I, I want us just to look in the Word of God this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Then I'll have you stand for one text at the end. 1 Corinthians 14. If you're there, say Amen. Well, are you on the screen? Say amen. All right. That's to help you till you get there. Follow after charity, believers, or love. And desire spiritual gifts. Now, when I teach, I'm going to pause and interject. It's, it's more line upon line. I'm asking you point blank in the sight of God, do you desire spiritual gifts? If not, why? Most of the time... It's either because we were taught or trained that these were not available today and or because of spiritual apathy. He said, follow after love. Let love be the driving force in your life and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you might prophesy. Why? For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Mark that down in your Bible. Which means he builds himself up. And he that prophesies edifies the church. This is the Apostle Paul, verse 5. I just want you to see this in your Bible. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. I would, I wish... My desire, my hope for you is that all of you would speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesied, not because prophecy is a superior gift, but because prophecy affects others. The royal law of love is others before myself. So it's not that tongues is a meaningless thing, it's that that... The ability to pray in the Spirit is for you. But the interpretation and application of God's Word when I speak is for other people. I would that you all spoke with tongues. That's the Apostle Paul. But rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. Except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. 
Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. And even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise, except ye utter by the tongue, now we're talking about the context of coming together in church. Context is critical. It says, so likewise, um, except ye utter by the tongues words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you'll just speak into the air. There are many voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall say unto him that speaketh, he is a foreigner, and he that speaketh shall be like a foreigner unto me. Even so, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you might excel to the edifying of the church. That does not mean that I do not desire spiritual gifts. Let me just pause right here. We don't and shouldn't select a gift and ask God for the gift. The Holy Spirit divides to every man severally as he wills. I don't ask the Lord. For, to, to, to have the gift of tongues. I don't ask the Lord for the gift of miracles. I ask the Lord to give me the gifts that would further bring glory to his name. Now, how can that be wrong? I ask, O oh Lord, to have these gifts. Even so, you're zealous of spiritual gifts... Seek that you might edify the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Now, notice that word speaketh. You with me in verse 13? That's not prayeth. That's speaketh. The context is in the church. Is not the context where we are in the church. The edifying of the church. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue should pray that he interpret or that someone interpret. How else would someone else get a blessing? Our problem is that we do not see the distinction between the ability to pray in the Spirit, which is tongues. Pray in the Spirit, that phrase is not as abrasive to us as pray in tongues. And to speak in tongues for the edification of the church. Now, look at verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. You'll hear someone pray, and they'll pray with passion and unction. And someone will say, oh, they're praying in the Spirit. Not, a, not according, like, that's not what this verse is saying. Yes, the Holy Spirit grants sincerity and unction and power. But God tells us, so that we'll understand what praying in the Spirit is, is in one way that I pray, I pray with my understanding. I pray with my mind. And the other is, I pray without the faculty of my mind. My spirit prayeth. That's what praying in the spirit is. Praying in the spirit, it's like if I pray a sincere, powerful prayer in English, you can say that was anointed by the Holy Spirit. That prayer was anointed, yes. But that's not what praying in the spirit means. Praying in the Spirit, look right at your Bible, verse 14. When my spirit prayeth, my understanding is unfruitful. Which means, and there's no other way to take it. It means you do not know what you're praying. But your spirit man knows. And God knows. Who else knows the language of the Spirit more than God? So here's Paul. What is it then? I will. Not God makes me. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with my understanding. Do you see the contrast? Paul wasn't saying, I will pray with power and not with power. I'll pray with sincerity and not with sincerity. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, now, he would say Hebrew. I'm going to pray in Hebrew, and I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I would tell you, I'm going to pray in English. That's the way I talk to you so that you might receive edifying. But praying in the Spirit is different than speaking to you about spiritual things. One is in English for me, and one is not understood. He said, if I pray 
in an unknown tongue. My spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Is that what it says? Okay. What is it then? I'll pray with both. I'll pray with the spirit and with understanding. I'll sing with the spirit, and I'll sing with the understanding also. Else, when you bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understands not what thou sayest? Well, you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Which, that means like if I'm at uh, lunch, Grandma makes lunch for us, or little nanny makes lunch for us, we got company coming over, and then Mama says, or Grandma says, John, will you bless the food? And I just go off in tongues, and I'm having a time. I'm, I'm blessing the Lord, and I'm smelling you know, uh, brined turkey and dressing, and I'm praying, and I'm like, Jesus, yes, and I'm praying in the, in the Spirit, and I get done, I say, amen, and everybody else is looking at me. They don't know what to say because they do not know what I said. So in public settings, God giving us order is not to make us diminish the value of the gift. It's to know when to use it, to know when to use the ability. All right, you give thanks for the meal well, but other people didn't know what you're saying, and it wasn't what they had hoped for at Thanksgiving. So, verse 18. Now, this this ought to cause you trouble if, let's just say, for those here, you know, I just, I wasn't raised this way. I don't believe this. So, here's the Apostle Paul. I'd, I'd venture to say he had a grasp on who Christ was and the plan of God since he penned most of the New Testament. He said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. He didn't say that I give messages in tongues more than you all. I speak. The word speak, the, the Greek word speak and the Greek word uh, for messages and, and the gifts and the context are two different things. He said, yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with what? With my understanding, which means five words that I know what it means. How? Why? That I might teach others also than with 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. It's not that 10,000 words in tongues are equal to five words in English. It's that in the context of ministering to you, there's more value in five that you understand than the 10,000 that I spoke. Now, if I pray in tongues and use 10,000 words I am supercharged. I am edified. But I didn't come today to edify me. I came to edify you. He said, I might teach others also. Then 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in understanding. How be it in malice be children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all of this they will not hear me, says the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the church be come together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say you are mad? Yes, they will. But if all prophesy, which means the foretelling and the forthtelling of God's word, The foretelling of God's will, his purposes, his intentions in the earth, and the the foretelling of what God's word says. If one comes in, he is convinced of all and judged of all, and the secrets of his heart are made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and say that God is in the midst of you, truthfully. How is it, brethren... When you come together, you should all have a psalm in your heart, a doctrine, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. And let everything be done unto edifying. The context of this is church, not home. It's speaking to others, not praying to God. If any man speak in tongues, where? In church, in the gathering, in the home of other saints. Let it be by two or or at the most three one at a time, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, this is my non-Pentecostal friends. I got a lot of buddies that love the Lord with their whole heart. Listen, men of character, they just aren't open to this. One of their favorite verses is this, this verse. I tell them all the time, you just really like this verse, but you, you only got half of it. Listen. If there be no interpreter, verse 28, 
let him keep silent in the church. And all my, my Baptist buddies, they always say, amen. But there's a semicolon there, not a period. Let him keep silent and let him speak. Is that what it says? Am I adding to it? Let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let him be silent as far as me taking over the church service and speaking in tongues. If there's no interpreter to the edifying, let him keep silent and let him speak. Every now and then I'll hear Lauren and others just in between a song speak in tongues or pray in tongues to God. There needs to be an interpreter. Make her stop. She's not speaking to the church. She's speaking unto God. Now, if she takes the mic and puts it right here and takes over the service and begins to pray in tongues for a half hour, we're all just saying, what meaneth this? When is this over? Because there's no edification. I'm not minimizing it. But when it's a worship unto God... There's a room, there's room in the church. Well, for 28 years, I, I pray in tongues on that front row. I, I speak in tongues during service. I also speak in English. I tell the Lord how amazing he is and how grateful I am, how deep his love is. And then that my, my, my language, my ability, capacity is so limited, I'm not getting it across. And then I pray in the spirit. To, so I do in the understanding and with the spirit. Let him keep silent in the church and, say and with me, and let him speak to himself and to God. Sometimes you got to preach to yourself. Every now and then you need to hear from somebody with some sense. You got to talk to yourself. Let the prophets, which does not mean Old Testament prophets. It means inspired speaker here. Let them speak by two or three and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to someone else that sits by, let the first hold his peace. And you can all prophesy, which means if someone says, Pastor John, I just want to share what the Lord's done. I want to share what I've seen in his word. Absolutely. So that we all may learn and be comforted. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion. What is the context of this passage? The primary context of the gathering of church people together. If it looks like confusion, it is. And if it's confusion or chaotic, God's not the author of it. There's room and there's beauty in this for us in the church. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, which means God doesn't stick his hand in anyone and make them against their will do or be anything. The fruit of the spirit is self-control. So anywhere the Holy Spirit is being exercised and they are out of control, that is not the Holy Spirit. Is that what it says? The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. God didn't make me preach this morning, but he inspired me to preach. He anointed me to preach, but I participate in it. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in the churches of the saints. Longest text in the history of Christ Chapel reading this morning. Y'all stand with me, Mark chapter 16. I just didn't want to say read it at home. I wanted to give you a base for what we're going to talk about today. Mark 16, verse 15, if you're there, say amen. And before I teach this lesson, I want to say this for all of our visitors and guests and those from a non-Pentecostal background. The ability to speak in tongues is not the culmination of character and maturity, nor is it the goal of the Christian. The disciples were the first people they ever heard speak in tongues. They didn't know there was such a thing. It's not the goal. But it should be the expectation of the spirit-filled believer because every biblical example of being filled with the Holy Spirit, they had the ability. It either says they spoke with tongues or it implied that they spoke in tongues. Now, Jesus. And Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 
And these signs shall, say that with me, shall, shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. Not just a sanctified tongues, not just with sanctified tongues, consecrated tongues, but with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. They drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Which Jesus is saying, last comments before we pray. Those that believe in my name, they'll lay hands on the sick, power. They'll speak with tongues, power. The devil will try to kill them. They'll pick up a serpent by accident, power. They'll drink poison, and it won't hurt, power. They're supposed to be power, not just grace. Grace for my sins, but post-saved. I need power. If Jesus needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know we need night classes. You know we need some help up in here. He didn't have to have it. He did it, of course, to fulfill the scriptures. But he's my pattern. Isn't he the pattern? Y'all pray for me as I pray for myself this morning. Lord, I ask you today... I don't want to convince one person through any form of manipulation. I don't want to speak my ideas or what I think. But as we look at the scripture with the Bible open in our lap, may we have the courage and the character to say what you say, to believe what you say, and respond to what you say. Oh, God, don't our children need for us to be spirit-filled? Doesn't this world need to have a spirit-filled witness? God, if sealing me with the Spirit did such a powerful thing in my personal life, what will the baptism of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit do for me as I live out my life in a dark and godless world? Grant us wisdom today, Lord, and put a desire in our heart for the things that you desire us to have. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. I almost titled this lesson, Where Angels Fear to Tread, but, you know. There's not so much opposition today to this as no one talks about it. Church doesn't talk about it. Christians don't talk about it. We just kind of relegate it to the back corners with the cobwebs. But if the Word of God makes it possible to know God accurately, then it is His Spirit that makes it possible to know Him intimately and experientially. Our text showed us that the Apostle Paul saw the ability to pray in the Spirit as something that was available, desirable, worthy of respect, spiritually beneficial, and more than a common practice personally and in the church. Listen to this. The problem with Corinth was not that they spoke with tongues, but that they preferred themselves to others. That's why tongues was explained. He said, you're thinking more about yourself than others. Paul was trying to preserve the practice of speaking in tongues through correction, not prohibit it through condemnation. He was trying to say, don't just think about yourself. Hey, John, I know you enjoy praying in tongues, and I know it's an incredible benefit and blessing to you, and I personally feel closer to God post the cross in that expression than anything else. But, John, when you come in on Sunday morning, make sure you prophesy. Make sure you tell the Word of God in a language that they understand. Paul was trying to preserve the practice of speaking with tongues and praying with tongues through correction, not prohibited through condemnation. But by the strategies of our adversary, the biblical illiteracy of believers, the cowardice of pastors and teachers, and the absence of the genuine, the ability to pray in the Spirit has sadly become a relic to much of modern Christendom and carries with it a negative connotation from both believers and unbelievers of light, alike. You only need to experience one time the sacred stillness of a worship service shattered by a machine gun-like message in tongues. Or you need to only one time be made to feel that those who do not speak in tongues do not have Christ or are somehow second-class citizens of heaven or you're bound by unbelief. 
You only have to have one person push you to be filled with the Spirit or manipulate you into having a similar experience to them to know that this does not sound like God, feel like God, or look like God. Now listen to your pastor. But irregardless of false gifts being used in the church, irregardless of demonstrations of the flesh and no pastor with the courage or the character to govern and say that's out of order, stop. Irregardless of the person that hounded you and made you feel inferior or second class because you've not had the experience that they've had. Irregardless, none of the things I just mentioned negate the genuine. None of those things negate the available. The scriptural divine and supernatural opportunity that is ours to pray in a language that we do not know to a God we have not seen in a way that our words cannot express. If you're taking notes this morning, and that's over half of my sermon, so we're going to get there. All right. What praying in the Spirit is not. Number one, it is not God talking to us, but us talking to God. Now, I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender. I'm going to make Pentecostal people mad, and I'm going to make non-Pentecostal people mad, and I want to go on record. I am not the final authority on God's wisdom. I'm a student like you, and I'm learning. I'm going to teach you fully what I believe the Scripture says. And if I'm wrong, then the Scripture will correct me And um, outside of that. But I can't preach what all of us believe. We'd be here for 11 months and be more confused than when we started. Okay. I was raised in a church where every time the message in tongues was given, the interpretation was God was talking to us. That's just what I was exposed to. But the scripture said, I just read it to you. Verse 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. So if I'm speaking unto God, why does the interpretation come back that God's speaking unto me? On the day of Pentecost, they did not hear them preaching the gospel in tongues. They heard them, many of them, in their own language, declaring the mighty, wonderful works of God. So these disciples' spirit was praying all of the attributes of God, the glory of God, the victorious nature of God, the supremacy of God, the power of God. So when I speak unto God... In an unknown tongue, which means praying in the Spirit. I'm not speaking to men, but unto God. So if I were able to interpret what I was praying, you would receive benefit in that moment because you would hear me glorifying the Lord with my Spirit, but it's not mandatory that you know what I'm praying. But if I take the pulpit, it's very important for you to understand that. Letter B. What praying in the Spirit is not. It is not praying with sincerity, power, or unction. Well, if I pray in the Spirit, I'm going to have all of those things, but that's not what it means. And I've already shared that with you in the text. It says in verse 15, I will pray with the Spirit and with understanding. I'll also sing with the Spirit, and I'll sing with the understanding also. Uh, in the early years of my faith, we used to sing a song, Put on the Garment of Praise for the Spirit of Heaviness. Lift up your voice to God. Who, who remembers that? It said, pray in the spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify the Lord. I don't hear that no more. I remember as a new believer, when I sang that, I went, yes. And it would make me want to, while the song was being sung, I would sing it in English. And then I would sing with the spirit. So imagine the legalist running over to the person. Here's John, second row, singing just loud enough for him to hear. Uh, you, you need to interpret that. And if there's no interpreter, be quiet in the church. Man, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm speaking unto. And he knows what I'm saying. So in that expression, it's limited to the edification of my soul and the glory of God. I'm speaking to God. I'm speaking to God. Praying in the Spirit is not primarily or exclusively a supernatural way for men to share the gospel. 
a lot of my non-Pentecostal friends believe and teach, and I, I say this respectfully, I'm just, they feel that I'm wrong. Well, I feel that they're wrong. They say, well, in Acts 2, that was just a gift God gave for them to preach the gospel. It never says they preach the gospel in tongues. It said we hear them speaking of the wonderful works of God. Now, I just want to submit this to you. I don't have it in front of me, but it's Acts 2. There's 11, 12 or so different nations, dialects, tribes spoken, uh, you know, Different people said, we heard them speak in our tongue. Well, what he's saying is, he didn't say he took a pulse of every single person that heard them outside of the upper room and made sure that all was lit. They just made a list of different people that were there. And it was like, we, we all hear them speaking the works of God in our language. Well, there were 500 at least in the upper room. And 10 or 11 mentioned in Acts 2. I submit to you that even if all of them heard their language and dialect, that there were many others spoken that they had never heard. That's just common sense to me if there's 500 there. We speak with the tongues of men and angels. I do know of opportunities where the supernatural gift of tongues... See. Being able to pray in the Spirit is a gift, but it's not the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is the supernatural gift to speak to the church at large and an interpretation of that also by someone that does not know that tongue with their mind but knows it with the Spirit, which is equivalent to prophecy. I do know of ministers that have been overseas and God grant them the opportunity to understand language. Or to speak a language that they do not know. That's just amazing to me. I don't, so do you believe God can do that? God can do anything he wants to do. Come on. Why, you know what our problem is? We want to dissect God up into these little manila folders. And say, you know, then this is where he has to stay. Well, no. So is speaking in tongues, is the primary use of that, as some preachers say, to preach the gospel in other languages? No. Has it been done? Yes, God can, he, he's the author uh, uh, and he, he separated the nations. He gives them the capacity to speak. And I, I just find it funny to me and don't build a doctrine out of this, but know that everything that's written for a purpose and it's all connected. Do you know that? All of it's connected. What does the Bible say is an unruly evil? evil. No man can tame it. It is set on fire by the fire of hell. What is it? Okay, okay. Oh. So the one thing that man cannot control, God's looking for, what's the initial thing that I, when, when I give someone not salvation, when I got salvation, I got a new heart. He took out my heart of stone. Amen? And gave me a new heart. What's the one thing? What, what will power look like? I'm going to take that unruly member and I'm going to coordinate and communicate with them mysteriously and in partnership with them for them to use that same tongue that used to curse men. Now they're going to bless God in a language they don't even know. That is beautiful. That is like, wow. That is amazing. And it's your pastor's firm opinion. I do not have Bible and verse for this. Don't have chapter and verse. I believe in heaven we're going to talk in tongues. The language of the Spirit. And everyone's going to sound different and we're all going to know what everybody's saying. We'll see when we get there. If I'm wrong, you can say, John, you're wrong. I don't care. Jesus is here and I ain't your shepherd no more. Ain't going to be no Pastor John in heaven. They're going to be the chief shepherd. Can't wait to get home. All right. Praying in the Spirit is not the same as the gift of tongues. One is the ability to speak in a language we do not know for the edification of the church. But the capacity to pray in tongues. Look it up for yourself. 
I believe these chapters are right. Acts 2, 8, 9, 10, and 19. It either says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues. Or it implied that they did because the people looking on saw something. They didn't just see love. When the Spirit fell on them, they saw something and said, Hey, can we buy that power? There's power there. It is not repulsive. But in fact, it's an incredibly tender expression. It grieves my heart to think that some of you, or a great portion of you, feel that it's a, a disdained thing. This side of the cross, it's the most beautiful thing in my life. And if I were the devil, I would put the crazies all in front of you so that you would be turned off to the idea of that which God designed and Jesus performs. He's the baptizer in the Spirit. And that praying in the Spirit so that you could be edified and your spirit could pray correctly. Just because some teacher of young children is a pedophile doesn't mean that all are pedophiles. Just because some doctor practices malpractice doesn't mean that all doctors are that way. And you have threw out the gift of God because of some crazy you saw in the church or television or on television. I blame the person and the pastor. I had a lady one time where I was preaching the gospel and I was giving the altar call and people are coming to get saved, which is the point of preaching the gospel. See, this is the huddle. I call the play, I teach, okay, strong right, fullback dive right, on one, ready, break. And you go out into the world and play the game. But I'm, I'm playing the game, and I preach the gospel, and people are coming to get saved. And she stood up and blurted out a message in tongues, and I said, uh, excuse me, sister, not, not right now. She waited just a second, and of course, she, the Spirit made her. She started again. I said, ma'am, excuse me. Not right now. Now, you don't have to do it arrogantly. But, see, the Lord's not going to interrupt people getting saved for, for us to interpret what you're saying to him. Let things be done in order. Priority. The, the worship of God, the salvation of men. She did it the third time. I said, ma'am, please be seated and don't say anything else. So after church, she and her, her husband you know, wanted to meet with me. And they set me straight doctrinally. And they explained to me how I was a quencher of the Holy Spirit and all of these other things. And, and I said, uh, she said, I could not help it. I said, that's what I was waiting on. What? She said, you don't understand. The Lord was all over me. I couldn't help it. I said, yes, you could. No, I couldn't. So you're telling me you couldn't help it. I could not help it. That's why I kept standing. I wasn't trying to be rebellious. I could not help it. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. How could you not help it? If the Holy Spirit was moving in you and the fruit of his movement is self-control, what meaneth this? She stomped her foot and walked out. And, of course, the Lord led her to a new place. Now, <laughs> what you need to know, there's pastors all spread out this. You know we can't win. Okay? In that same service, I have people come up to me in tears. Thank you for shepherding us and protect. Thank you. That was a beautiful thing God was doing. And that wasn't the proper time and place. Same service on the way out. I don't know why you're scared of the Holy Ghost. You're just scared of the whole thing. Walk off. How can I be both at the same time? You say A, everybody that thinks B says you're wrong. You think B, everybody that thinks A thinks you're wrong. Well, there's a beauty and order in all of it. But I want you to know, I pray in tongues off unashamedly. And it's not weird. The fruit of the Spirit is not weird. Weird is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. If it looks weird, it's not, it's not God. Now, you need to understand that some of the people that get up are some of the people that you've seen that claim to be Spirit-filled you don't want to be like them because maybe they were illiterate. Or maybe they weren't as sharp as you or as dressed as you. 
You better be careful that you don't make your assessment based on worldly standards because God has chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith. I want to tell you that it is the most beautiful. My sister that testified the other day, she stood right here after service and she said, Pastor John, it's just, it's just so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Yes. If the word of God teaches me how to know him accurately, then the spirit of God shows me how to love him experientially and intimately. It is not a status symbol. Well, I pray in tongues. Ooh. Well, I'll see your tongues and raise your interpretation of tongues. You know. <laughs> no. Why is it that the gift of prophecy doesn't have the stigma? Why is it that the gift of miracles doesn't have the stigma? I'm asking you as believers. Because the devil knows. The devil knows. That not everyone is going to have the ability to exercise miracles at God's will and choosing. That's the supernatural gift of miracles. But every believer has the opportunity to pray in tongues. And God help the devil if every believer that names his name gets spirit filled. Beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying in the spirit. Now what did we determine that means? Not with my understanding, but in the spirit. That's what edifies my soul, strengthens my soul. Could it be that our lack of strength and power is an equal measure to the lack of the measure of the spirit on our life since salvation? Desire spiritual gifts. Let him decide. I've never given a message in tongues in church that maybe one, I, this, you know, the, 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 the gifts of the spirit are more about the moment than the man. Write that down. The gifts of the Spirit. The gifts. For, when you hear the word gifts of the Spirit, you can write beside that for the public edification of the church. The gifts of the Spirit are for the church. The ability to pray in the Spirit is for me. The gifts of the Spirit are for the church. So, so why, why the negative view and connotation on praying in the spirit it is because the devil has strategically and systematically if you walked with the lord for 40 years and the devil has been the enemy of god for thousands of years don't you think he's honed his craft and knows what strategies to implement he said if, if once they're saved i got to keep them from the fullness of the spirit because i don't need no edified powerful believer coming up against me in prayer and in the ministry and works of the Lord. It's not a status symbol. It's not a sign of maturity. I know people that just get saved. I mean, I was first week spirit-filled. Wasn't a lot of wisdom coming out of my bedroom or out of my den. I'd been walking with the Lord a week and I'm in my apartment praying in tongues. No, it's not a sign of maturity. It's a sign of intimacy. I just, this and he ain't been saved two weeks and he ain't got all withered up like the rest of us and we're mad. It's like the old lady that disdains the pretty girl, the young girl. Hmm, look at her. Well, it's a whole nother sermon, but we'll leave that where it is. You used to work it too, you know, back 100 years ago or so. It's not a sign of maturity, it's not a sign of gifting superiority or leadership let the believers enjoy the lord let us draw near to him with affectionate hearts and uplifted hands and a stammering lip and another tongue let us experience the times of refreshing from the presence of the lord without some pharisee coming in and dumping water on it supposedly for the sake of god's order i'm not out of order when i talk to god and if I'm out of order in the church talking to others, it's responsibility of the leadership to say, not right now. It is not unbiblical. Praying in the Spirit is not outdated or unnecessary. <laughs> Heard one preacher say, he said that these were the gifts of the apostles. Only one small problem with that. The scripture doesn't say they were the gifts of the apostles. <laughs> this isn't hard. 
It's the gifts of the Spirit. Well, they died with the last of the apostles. That would make them the gifts of the apostles. He didn't tell me they died. And since the Holy Spirit divides to every man severally as he wills, as long as he's willing, I'm available. Desire spiritual gifts. It is not a transcendental experience. I've already told you that. Uh, It's not God taking over. It's you allowing God and together you step out in this vulnerable spot of... and, And... this is, this is a hard lesson to teach. The Bible doesn't explain to us what they felt like in Acts 2, 8, 9, 10, and 19. We didn't get the disciples' interview. Man, them tongues of cloven fire sat on my head, and, and I felt like nobody told us. I'll tell you what my experience is like, was like, and is like. You compare it to the Scriptures, okay? When he baptized me, my Christ baptized me in the Holy Spirit. I felt a trembling. Doesn't mean you have to feel a trembling. I felt a trembling and a stammering lip, if you will. And I don't know how to speak in a language I don't know. So I just put volume to my stammering lip. So he provided the unction and the stirring and the experience. And I provided the volume and it sounded silly to me, to me, my understanding, because I didn't know what it meant. But my spirit, man, felt like it had hooked up to the battery of God. And there was a quickening and a power there. And I didn't, I didn't want to be seen of men. That's one of the other giveaways. When someone comes down front and they're screaming in tongues and they're wanting to be seen, I want to say, who are you talking to? God ain't deaf. He's, you know, he, he ain't got it. They're wanting to be seen. No, this is a beautiful, intimate, cooperative. I cooperate with him. Now, since that experience, I can just stand over here and speak in tongues anytime I want to. But it doesn't feel right because I'm talking to God and you're sitting out here going, and. So I don't wait on him. I have to wait because the Spirit gives you the utterance. I I have to wait. Well, he did. Give them the utterance. He was bat- they were baptized in the Spirit. Now I have the ability to pray in tongues anytime I want. But I can't speak in tongues to the church unless the gift is operating. So the gifts are more about the moment than the man. Uh, which, is, which is the most important gift? The one you need at that moment. If you need a miracle, I need somebody that <laughs> exercises the gift of miracles. The gift of faith, very quickly, uh, is the ability to believe something. God gives you the gift of faith. He's already given to you a measure of faith. But the gift of faith, which means there is no doubting ever. You believe it as done. You have God's word on it. And I've only operated in that a couple of times in my life for the edification of others. Tongues is not a substitute for love. Christ-centeredness, humility, kindness, service, generosity. And it should not be divisive. When I first was given my life to the Lord in my early 20s and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, blessed be your great name for that, Lord. I was on fire, man. (laughs) I was a fireball. All the alcohol hadn't worked itself out of my system yet, and I'm preaching. I mean, I I was lit. It's like a walking, I don't know, one of those uh, things on July 4th. The word, just whatever, little, whatever I read that day is coming out at you. And my grandmother, my mama's mama, God rest my big nanny's soul. She's sweet, sweet lady. She was Nazarene to the core. Nazarene, wonderful believers. Uh, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Nazarene, Trevecca, Bible College. And I told Nanny about my experience. And she, I don't know if Mama remembers this or knows this, but she contacted their superintendent. And someone else from, I think it was Trevecca, I guess, because my, my mom went there. And they took me to Cracker Barrel on Riverside Drive. They were on an intervention. 
I later, re- I'm serious. I didn't know. I'm just naive. I've been, you know, walking with the Lord two weeks. I'm like, you want to go to lunch with me? I'm the man, you know. Superintendents are calling me. Hello, this is John Wood. You know, I told you it doesn't mean maturity. I'm, I'm brand new in all of it. But I'm alive. I'm alive. And sometimes experience can win an argument over just about anything as long as it's truthful. So we go to dinner. I just thought they wanted to see the great thing God was doing in me. I didn't know they were sent on a mission. To So we got to talking, and the superintendent goes, So, John, I, I hear that you... Uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. He said, I hear that you've answered the call to preach, and you know we have a lot of good Bible colleges here. If our musician would come here, I wanted to finish. Sorry, it was just too much. My text was half. She said, uh, or he said... We have these Bible colleges, and um, I want to tell you about them, and they have wonderful history of teaching the Word of God. I am not belittling the school. God, give us more Nazarene churches. Give us more fundamentalist Bible-believing churches, yes. But he pitched the school to me and told me what they had available and what ministry opportunities were there and what it would mean to me as a student of the Word. And I was tracking with him the whole time, and he said, John, you need to build a foundation you can't give what you don't have. You've got to get the word in you. It's got to be a systematic study of who God is, who the people of God are. John, you've got to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And he's just really just telling me, you know, what I'm going to need for ministry. And I'm, he's preaching me up into a lather. I was ready to go when I sat down at Cracker Barrel. And the cornbread hadn't even got there yet. And I'm, I'm ready. With honey, by the way. And... Uh, he said, but now, John, uh, your grandmother told me that you had an experience with the Lord. And I know the Lord's listening to me. And if I exaggerated, he would judge me. I genuinely thought he was interested. I said, oh, yes, sir. It was the most wonderful, beautiful. I said, uh, you know, his mercy is so undeserved. But when he baptized me in the Holy Spirit, he said, Excuse me, can, can I just ask you something? I said, sure. He said, did you just happen to be in a church service where the music was just moving and building and the people were joyful and shouting and it kind of built up and built up and came into a crescendo and you were just overcome by a sense of, of God's presence and your emotions And you broke out into this ecstatic utterance. I remember like yesterday. I said, no, sir. I was by myself in my apartment in the floor with my Bible open. He said, what? My floor. And I said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Not the well of salvation. I can dip from that anytime. God knows the difference between a well and a river. And this spake he of the Spirit, which was not yet given. And I said, God, I've been filled with the devil most of my life. We, I want this. I want this by myself. And I looked at the superintendent and I said, and he filled me good. <laughs> and I said, and I pray in the Spirit. I'm, I've asked him for the gifts and I just, I don't know how I'm going to do that. But I want to be a mighty man of God. I want to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to commit my life. And whether it's with you or not, he stood up, God is my witness, while I'm talking, got the check for the bill, and him and the guy walked away from me and walked out and went and paid for the ticket. And I sat there at that table. I'm not a martyr, but it was a defining moment for me. I sat at that table by myself, but I wasn't by myself. And I decided... In that first week, uh, well, it's the second or third week of July 1986, that I am not only not going to be ashamed of Jesus, I'm not going to be ashamed of his words and his spirit. So, Pastor John, what do I do? Do I go home and talk to God about tongues? Final thoughts. That's not in the Bible. Seek after tongues. You say, Christ, my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. John, Pastor John did it in water on the stage, but you do it in the Spirit, don't you?
And whatever you want to do in me and through me, I'll participate with you. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Years ago, I would have tried to convince you. Years ago, I would have told you you need me or somebody to lay my hands on you. But that ain't what you need. You need to want him more than you want anything else. And leave it to God how that looks like and what it looks like. I remember asking my mama. Mama, I don't know if you remember this. I told her I was spirit-filled. And, you know, I worshiped beside her, second row at Northside Assembly. And I said, Mama, does mine sound right when I pray in tongues? "Is Is it right? She goes, like, well, what do you think? I said, I don't know. I said, well, why are you asking me? I don't know what to tell you. I said, what she knew, and she wasn't being indifferent. She was like, the Lord don't need me to help you. You don't need me to help you. You and God decide. And then I found out what my syntax sounded like. Sounds like mine in English, except I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> and then sometimes it sounds like different languages. But the point is, if you're hung up on that, You're missing this. Are you desiring spiritual gifts? Are you filled with the Spirit? And if not, why not? This promise is unto you and your children and your children's children and all who are far off as many as the Lord God shall call. Would you stand with me this morning? The ability to pray in the Spirit is not a goal. Hear me, believer. It's not a goal of the Christian. But it is a practice. Because these signs follow those that believe in my name. I speak with tongues. But tongues ain't who I am. I'm a Christian. A disciple of the Lord Jesus. I also give. I'm generous. I also serve. I also struggle. I'm all those things. So don't, don't set it out as a goal to a, a box to check off. But it's more beautiful than you ever dreamed. More powerful than you ever need. And more right than you'll ever know. What would happen if everybody in this room found time in the next 48 hours, a half hour, just to sit? You ain't got to work anything up and say, Lord, I'm asking you, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. What would that, what would happen from there? Well, if the disciples didn't need no help, you don't either. Why don't we go home and find out? Amen? Jason, would you come and close us in prayer this morning? Y'all, would you just honor our teaching pastor? Would you bless him this morning? pastor that comes and brings the full counsel of God's word that is does not back away from topics and, and subjects of scripture because they're uncomfortable and and misunderstood and difficult and and not accepted by culture we just thank you pastor for being faithful in that let us pray lord we just love you and honor you today god i pray that as we go forth there, there's a fire inside of us that can't be quenched without drawing closer to you, Lord. And for all of us, Father, I pray that any blocks would be identified and dealt with and removed, Father God. 
I pray that we walk in the fullness of your spirit with the empowerment of your spirit. For the hour is late and the day is dark. But we know that you are the victor of all, Father God. That it, it, we just need you in this hour. The fullness of your spirit. So we just we pray that for everyone in this building to receive. To come to you and to receive for you are faithful. We love you and honor you. Amen. Y'all have a blessed Lord's Day.